everyone. Welcome back to the CTYA podcast. We are so glad that you joined us here today. Sit back, relax, get out your favorite pencil, your favorite notebook. May you be blessed in the Lord. Are you thankful for the name today? That name that's above every other name. I'm so glad that we have a good apostolic biblical worship. Uh, Excuse me, just a couple seconds while I get set up here. So today's lesson uh, is going to be pretty practical, but don't worry, that doesn't mean boring. Uh, Sometimes we hear practical and we're like, oh man, I don't want to fall asleep. But then it's often the practical things that get ignored and mess us up. So hopefully this works. Oh no, don't read my notes. (laughs) All righty. Normally, uh, I teach in a much uh, less uh, backed up type of situation. What I mean by that is normally I don't have someone uh, playing the piano uh, or singing. So this is kind of cool for me to have such a great team. So thank you to uh, the worship team uh, this evening. So today we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments, and I'm sure many of you, hopefully all of you, could tell me what each of those are. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to do that, Uh, but what is a commandment? What would we call a commandment? Someone said it, rules. Now, how many of you like rules? You're lying. I know you. Who follows the rules for the rule's sake? It's like, it's a rule, put your hand down. It's not time for the altar call yet, but we're gonna get there. Liars shall have their place. No, who's a rule follower for the rule's sake? Okay, yes, my friend, Sister Mass. Uh, Who follows the rule, kind of depending on whether or not it makes sense, whether or not it fits the situation, Um, I like to fall in that category. I have to work on that and be like, all right, this is right for me to do, whether it makes sense or not. But that's my nature. If it doesn't make sense, I'm like, I don't want to do it. Can anybody relate? Now, uh, who follows the rule just uh, when you think this fits me and my situation right now? Maybe not tomorrow, but right now. Nobody. You all are so righteous. You're dismissed. You can go. (laughs) Okay, one last question. How many of you speed when you're driving? Wow. Yep. Me too. So out of the Ten Commandments, and you don't have to tell me this one. You don't have to answer unless you just want to. Out of the Ten Commandments, which do you find to be the hardest one to follow? Just think about it for a minute. There's, there's a couple of them, 10 to be specific. There's, there's that one or maybe two or three that all of us just kind of wrestle with and we're like, that's the one that's hard. 
you know? Like some of them were like, oh, those are so easy. But then that one, that one always trips me up. So uh, we're going to jump in here. Exodus 19 and verse 5. Someone read that for me. It's up on the screen. I'll pick a volunteer if someone doesn't read it. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. All the earth is mine. So this is the Lord talking. He rules everything. He's the creator. He makes the rules. He says what's right. He says what's wrong. We know that. Well, he gives Israel this promise. All you have to do is follow my rules. And you're going to be a peculiar treasure unto me. It sounds like a pretty good deal, but why did it have to come with so many rules? Because there's more than just the 10, right? There's the 10 commandments, and then there's about 600 some others. Why did it have to come with so many rules? Now, who has siblings? I have three. Did you all ever make deals with your siblings? If you do the laundry, I'll do the dishes, right? But we all had that one sibling that you kind of had to watch out for because they would slip in there kind of like under the rug, those terms and conditions, right? Did anybody have that sibling or were you that sibling? Well, God's not like that. God's not like that. He gives us his word and he says, here are the terms and conditions. And you know what? They're for your good. They're not just so that he can get something out of it. What can we add to God? Really? Like, we're the creation. How can we make him better? How can we really do something for him that he can't do himself? God's not like us. He's not like our siblings. He's not like anybody else. He's other than he's all by himself. And he lets us be involved, but he doesn't really need us. He loves us anyways, and he's good. So God's not like us. There's no hidden terms or conditions. The truth about God is God loves us enough to create safeguards for our good. So what are commandments? They're safeguards, they're protection, they're wisdom beyond our own understanding. And this is the great thing about the word of God. He gives us all that we could ever need. Romans 1 and verse 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So by whom, who's the whom? Does anybody know? It's Jesus. Very good. It's Jesus. By him we have received grace and apostleship. So Old Testament, you had the law. New Testament, you have what? Grace. We have grace. But grace and apostleship for what? So a lot of people are like, oh, grace, do whatever you want, live however you want, we're saved by grace, right? But right here, and they'd like to say that Paul says this, and this is Paul's doctrine, grace, you're saved, go do whatever you want, it doesn't matter. But right here in Romans, a book that Paul wrote, he says, grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So it's all for him. We serve him and his purpose, and he's good, and we can trust that. 
Romans 1 and verse 1, backing up a little bit, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture. So it was his plan all the way from the beginning. Verse 3, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by resurrection from the dead. And, the, and now we have verse 5, by whom we have received grace and apostle, apostleship. Excuse me. So this was his plan all the way from the beginning, that Christ would come and that he would redeem us. So we're empowered to do what we ought through Jesus Christ. He doesn't just say, here's a list of rules, good luck. No, he's good. He'll help us do that. So uh, obedience is required. What happens when we don't obey? Joshua 5 and verse 6, For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. That's pretty steep. So disobedience comes with a consequence. It's bad if you don't obey. Luke 11 and verse 28, but he said, Yea, rather, this is Jesus speaking, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. So following God's laws, good if you do, bad if you don't. But what about when it doesn't make sense? What about when I don't understand what the rule is for or why it's there? Now, this is just a slide to remind me to tell you an illustration. I'm not going to make you choose a side. Don't worry. I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, like Sister Hesse mentioned, I was in Scotland and I was in Aimer there. And I first went in 2019 and I was there for the whole of COVID. Wonderful experience. And uh, I was there working in a Bible school. It was the academic dean. And uh, stuff politically, nationally, all over the world, they started talking about what was going to happen when COVID hit, what the restrictions were going to be, what laws were going to be put in place, what everything was going to look like. And it started to look pretty rough. And we were like, we're going to have to shut the school down and send all the students home. And... Uh, there was talk in the missions department and headquarters that some of the aimers were going to have to be sent home too. Some of them, it was going to be their personal choice, depending on which country you're in and what the situation was. And I started seeking the Lord of what I should do because I had a decision to make. Was I going to stay where I knew he had called me or was I going to go home and spend a worldwide lockdown in the comfort of my own home with my family in safety? And I remember feeling prompted of the Lord pretty strongly. I brought you here. Don't question me. I'll keep you safe. I was like, all right. So I called my dad, who is also my pastor. I said, this is what I'm feeling from the Lord. Will you pray with me and let me know what you think? He called me back a couple days later. He said, I feel that this is right and that you need to stay right where you are. And the Lord's going to keep you and he's going to protect you. So uh, it didn't feel that way. Not for one minute. It never felt safe. It never felt okay. But I knew that it was. I knew that it would be fine. I knew that the Lord would protect me. I knew that he would keep me because he said so. 
And there were times where I questioned it. There were times that it was rough and I was like, I want to get on a plane and go home, but there are no planes to go home on. And I had to just trust the Lord. But even in the midst of that feeling unsafe and feeling insecure, I always had that head knowledge. And sometimes that is what you have to depend on. And it's not that emotions are bad. It's just sometimes you have to remind yourself, this is what God said. This is the promise that I have from him. And I can rest in that. And I'd just like to tell you today, you are always safer in the will of God than anywhere else. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter where you are, who you're with, if you're alone. It doesn't matter what's going on. You are always safer in the will of God than anywhere else. Following his commandments blesses you. They are safeguards. They are wisdom. They are meant for our good. So the Ten Commandments, uh, they're found two different places in Scripture, and they're uh, pretty identical with very few uh, variations. The first one is found in Exodus 20, and the second is found in Deuteronomy 5. We're not going to read uh, both of those passages for sake of time. The biggest difference, uh, which it's complementary, it's not an error in Scripture, how many knows that scripture can have multiple applications for our life, right? It can affect everyone in this room. It can speak to everyone in this room, even though we all have different situations and are different people. So both versions list uh, the fourth commandment as remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But the biggest difference is one talks about the, uh, the Sabbath in relation to creation, and one talks about it in reference to the deliverance from Egypt. And we're going to talk about uh, those difference. The Sabbath, if you don't know, was a day that Israel was commanded to set aside holy for the Lord, to spend time with him, to rest, and to take a day off, to take a break, and to remember that I'm taking this 24 hours to give to God to remind myself that all of time belongs to him anyways. And am I using the other 24 hours, the six days of the week, in a way that pleases him? And that seventh 24 hours was supposed to uh, be a realigning, a refocusing of am I pleasing to God? Am, am I doing what he wants me to do? Am I living in a way that's going to bless me and everyone around me? So uh, the, this commandment is kind of like touchy with some people because they're like, we don't have to do that anymore. You know, it's like we're in the New Testament, bless God. We can work until we die. You know, uh, and they quote verses like, you know, there's no rest until the grave. And it's like, hmm. Context, context, context. Is that really what that verse means? Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Sabbath as we go on here. I'll try not to get hung up on it. So uh, in Exodus, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor. And in Exodus, it's relaying back to creation. Six days shalt thou labor, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. It is, in it thou shalt do not do any work, excuse me, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy maidservant, uh, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, so not even the animals worked, 
uh, nor thy stranger that is within thy gate. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it, or he made it holy. So if God himself rested, God, who is the creator of everything, who holds all power in the universe, all wisdom, all glory, and all honor, he took a day off. Who do we think we are? (laughs) In all honesty, right? Who do we think we are? And I'm talking to myself. Why do we think that we can do something outside of God's wisdom, outside of what he says blesses, and think that it's going to go well? Why do I think that I can do my own thing and still get blessed? And this happened to me just today. I was working on a project and someone came in and I was telling them about it. And they were like, wow, that's awesome. I can't wait until this thing is done. That's going to be so cool. And I was like, yes, positive affirmation. Love it. Someone recognized my work. You know what? I'm going to start working on this on Saturday so that I can get it done quicker and they'll be even prouder of me. And I was like, oh, man. Ah, did it again? But if we're honest, we all do this. And maybe, maybe this isn't the commandment that trips you up. Maybe this isn't the thing that you wrestle with. But it does for me. And I have to constantly take that time to realign myself to what pleases God and what he says blesses me. Now, sure, I may get some results that praise me or make me feel good and I may get the affirmation of men and women by ignoring this commandment but is affirmation of men is pleasing men really what blesses is it really worth it is that really a good payout for ignoring a commandment of God and uh, I always used to say like my mom, she would tell me something like, you're not doing this or whatever. And I would be like, mom, 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 no, listen, I don't think that or I'm not that. And she would be like, well, you act like it. Like, oh, come on. Our actions and our words, our actions and our thoughts, they have to line up. You can't just say, I'm a Christian and this is what I think. You have to do it too. They all matter. So uh, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. And this one's in Deuteronomy. As the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. So in six days, you better work hard. It's not just, yeah, kind of get stuff done and then I'll do a little bit more on the seventh. No, if you're going to take a break, if you're going to take a whole day off, you better have gotten some stuff done in days one to six, right? It's not an excuse to be lazy. So six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. It's his. It belongs to him. How are you using it? So it's the Lord thy God's, and in it thou shalt do, shall not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gate, that thou manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt. Now in the Bible, many times Egypt represents sin and bondage. Remember that thou wast a servant 
and the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So remember, you were in bondage, and God brought you out of that. So that's the twofold purpose of the Sabbath. One is to realign ourselves with creation, what God intended originally, to rest, to give all of time to him, not just that one day. And then in Deuteronomy, we see that it's a remembrance that I was bound to sin, but God has brought me out, and I don't live that life anymore this is how I live now. This is what he's done for me. And it's to remind us that we can't deliver ourselves. We need him. It can't be our, by our own efforts, no matter how hard we work, no matter how much we accomplish, no matter how much we do, we can't earn salvation. It matters what we do, but apart from him, we can't save ourselves. You can't live good enough to earn salvation. Sabbath reminds us that maybe we weren't physically in Egypt, maybe we weren't physically in chains, but we were bound by sin, and God redeemed us. So uh, the Ten Commandments, and then the first and the second commandment that Scripture uh, often refers to. The Ten Commandments is just ten of the larger 613, I believe. Sister Mass can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, by the time Jesus came, there were a lot of questions about how these should be followed. And a group called the Pharisees, they were very heretical. Uh, one of them was a lawyer, and he challenges Jesus. That's what scripture says, that he challenged him. And he said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? But there was a second man, and this man was a scribe, someone who was responsible to keep the law. And he asked Jesus a similar question, but different. These were two different occasions. And he says, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus gives them different answers. Now, how many of you had a parent that gave you and your sibling two different answers? And you were just like, that's not fair. Ugh, injustice. Well, God's not unjust. So why the two different answers? Well, they asked different questions. So we're going to take a look at it. The first passage is Matthew 22, 34 through 40. So the Pharisee, he heard that Jesus put the Sadducees to silence when they were all gathered together. And he's like, hmm, I'm going to go tempt this guy. I'm going to go see uh, what he's about. And he says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus responds to him and he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. So he said, you want the greatest commandment? You want the big one that you have to follow and you can ignore the rest? Here it is. And guess what? All of the commandments, they fall under these two. So you want the one that you can follow and then not worry about anything else? Well, here's the biggest one, and everything else follows under it, so you might as well just follow the whole thing. And so he tells him that you have to love the Lord thy God and your neighbor as yourself. All of the law, all of the prophets rest on these two commandments. Now the scribe, 
It says that he came and having heard them reasoning together and perceived that he had answered them well, he asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. See, he gave the lawyer, he gave him the what, but he gives the scribe the why. He says that why the first and second commandment? Why any of these commandments? Well, listen up, Israel. The Lord, your God, he's one Lord, and he's the only one. He's the creator, and he calls the shots, and that's why we follow him anyways, because he's God and I'm not. So he gives him the why. And after the why, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. What else do we have other than that? What else do we have that doesn't fall under those four categories. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe, he gets it. It clicks. And it's really cool. He says, well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. All your works, all that you can do in of yourself, because you didn't need the Holy Spirit to come and bring a sacrifice in the temple. You didn't need God's Spirit, his nature, his character living inside of you to do that. And he says all of those sacrifices, everything that we can do in our own humanity it doesn't compare to loving God with everything that you have and loving your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus responds to him and he says, when Jesus saw that he, the scribe, answered discreetly, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. So there's one God. There's no one else but him. He's sovereign over all. He's the first. He's the last. He's the only wise God. And to love him and his creation is more than anything that we can do in of ourselves. The Ten Commandments, faith in the Ten Commandments. Now, I referenced it already. There was the Old Testament law and the New Testament were under grace, but grace doesn't do away with the old law. Uh, some find it difficult to understand how that all plays out and how it works. And the Ten Commandments, the law, was never designed to save Israel. Living up to all of the commandments, all 613 of them, it can't save me on my own, on its own. So uh, if the law can't save, what's it for then? Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So why even have a law? If we're just saved by faith in Jesus Christ, why are there rules? Romans 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? No, God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. I wouldn't know right from wrong if God hadn't given us this law. I wouldn't know how he wants me to live. I wouldn't know what blesses me and what harms me if God hadn't told me. 
So, for had I not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. So the law is not bad. Our obedience is still required. We know that faith plus works. Faith plus works equals salvation. You can't just say, oh yes, I mentally believe that God is God and then I can go do whatever I want. There has to be action that follows it. So believing and obeying. Do we just do our own thing because grace, yay. Now go live unto the flesh and do whatever pleases me. No, because we can't be of God and not follow his laws. Obedience comes with belief. Galatians 3 and verse 24. Someone else read. No more schoolmaster. I can do what I want. I don't have to listen anymore. No. Take what the schoolmaster taught you and go and use it empowered by the Holy Spirit. You now have Christ living in you. You're empowered to live by the law. You don't have to wake up every day and, have, and do it by yourself, by your own power. You have Christ living inside of you. Galatians 3 and verse 26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So Christ redeems us unto himself. He takes us out of sin and darkness, out of bondage. And he says, I'll help you live in a way that blesses you. We don't need a list of rules because we're supposed to have his character inside of us. Think of it as the checklist. You don't need to go and look at this checklist and think about everything that you did today and say, okay, did I mess anything up? No, because you have him inside of you. He'll correct you. He'll prompt you throughout the day if you're listening. James 20, uh, 2 and verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Romans 16 and verse 26, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. And I'd really love to break down this whole scripture, this whole passage really, but uh, for the sake of time. Now is made manifest. What is made manifest? Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, they didn't know what the plan of God was. They didn't know his full revelation because it had a starting point and it progressed into the New Testament. But now we know who Christ is. We know that God came and manifested himself in flesh and he died and he rose again and he redeemed us. So we know who he is. So we're without excuse because it was made known to all nations for the obedience of of faith. So the Ten Commandments, we're not going to go through every single one, don't worry. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. So the first four relate to how we are to love God, how we, how we interact in our relationship with Him, our relationship with the Creator. Exodus 20 and verse Three, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Pretty simple, not easy. Because we put stuff before him all the time. And if we're honest, we would go, yep, that's me. 
So the first one, simple, not easy. Verse 4, thou shalt not make any uh, graven images, no likeness of anything that is in heaven or is er in earth, nothing in the water or underneath the earth. Don't make anything and say, this is God. Now, we don't do this. We don't go and find someone that knows how to work with gold and say, make me a statue that I can bow down to. None of us do that. I haven't been in all of your homes, but I'm sure that you don't have any gold statues laying around that you worship every day. But what do we serve? What do we give our time to? What do we give our strength to? What do we devote our lives to? Do we have graven images in our lives that we put before God? Verse 7, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And we all know we're not supposed to cuss. We all know we're not supposed to swear. We all know we're not supposed to use the name, the name of the Lord flippantly or just casually or just throw it out there willy-nilly. We all know that. But is that all this means? No. Because when we attach his name to something, that he says is not him, that's taking the name of the Lord in vain. When we go and we say, this is what God does, this is what God likes, and it doesn't line up to scripture, we've taken his name in vain because we've attached it to something that's not consistent with who he says that he is. And uh, we like to proclaim his name. It's a very Pentecostal thing. you know. Proclaim his name over this and declare his name over that. And I declare this and declare that. And I'm, I'm not taking shots at anyone today. That has its place. Okay, That's biblical. But you have to understand what's biblical and what's not. Now, declaring his name means I'm his. And I get my marching orders from him. And this is what he's told me to do, so I'm going to go and do it because he's empowered me to do it. But that doesn't really get me any glory because I'm on his mission, not my own. And that's the hard part. It includes how we live. If I say, Jesus has saved me and I belong to him, but I don't live like it, I make his name vain or empty or of no effect because He's not able to work in my life. He wants to redeem me. He wants to bless me, but I don't live in a way that he can bless me. So uh, an illustration real quick. You don't get to call my dad and ask for what I can, right? Now, Joel, you could call him and ask for some stuff because you know him. And you might be able to say, hey, Brother Dibble, like I was just wondering, like, you know, such and such. And... You know, he might be able to help you out, but you can't call him like I can. You can't call him and say, hey, Dad, I have a hard request, and I need this. You can't do that because he's not your dad. He's my dad. I get to call him up and be like, help. I need you right now. And him drop everything and come and help me and give me what I need. Can you call on him? Do you have a relationship where at the drop of a hat you have that connection with God where you just know in a moment, God, I need you and I'm reaching out to you right now because I'm your child. I live by your name and I've, I've followed your commandments and I've done it not to get something out of it, but just because you're good and because I love you. 
you get to call his name. You get to say, God, in your name, I need you right now because you're his child. Don't make his name vain and don't call on it if you're not living like it because that's emptiness. Exodus 20 and verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, this is quite possibly the only commandment that you can break and get rewarded for it. Rewarded for it. Setting aside time not to lean on our own strength reminds us that we depend on his. But how can I get everything done in less time? Well, it's his wisdom, not your own. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. But is he God or are you God of your life? You get to choose. Will you choose his wisdom or your own? So loving God and finding spiritual protection. The truth about God is God loves us enough to create safeguards for our own good. When we prioritize God, we discover that he gives us peace and rest and comfort far beyond our own understanding. Loving God the way he describes comes with spiritual protection. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Not if they're nice to you, not if they deserve it. No, love your neighbor as yourself. So the last six of the commandments relate to our relationship with God's creation. Romans 13 and verse 8, Owe no man thing, owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. That's all you have to do is love. But it's the definition of what love means that's the hard part. So it can be hard to love those that do us wrong, but this is the love that God extends to us. And this doesn't mean that we accept abuse or we accept uh, wrong actions from other people because that doesn't bless us or them. Love chooses what is right for that other person, even if it's uncomfortable for both of us. And it doesn't feel good. Proverbs 27 verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And we like to say that whenever we're coming to a friend, but the other half of that verse says, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So sometimes correction is necessary, and that's love too. So loving my neighbor and finding spiritual protection. I'm almost done, don't worry. So love, if it is our primary motivation and how we treat one another, we'll experience healthier, more wholesome relationships. We can better assess our actions towards others if we measure whether or not we're acting out in love as God defines it or just what pleases me. Now, how can you love the creator without loving his creation? Who has an Apple product? Right? Who has more than one Apple product? Yeah, because when you really love the creator, you love what they produce. You love what they make. And God has made each and every single one of us in this room and out there. And we are responsible to love his creation. 1 John 4 and verse 20, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. 
1 John 5 and 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. So you cannot separate the two. You cannot separate loving God and loving people. They come hand in hand. You can't choose one or the other. So the truth for my life, and I'm closing if you guys would stand, I will follow the commands of scripture and experience the spiritual protection they provide. There's wisdom in his commandments. They're meant to bless my life, not keep me from something that is good, but they're to keep me from harm, even when it doesn't look good. Because sometimes it's not easy to see the end of our own actions. Sometimes I may think, no, my way really is better, but he knows the end and he's good and he wants good for each of our own lives, but he lets you choose. And what will you choose? So let's take a minute to pray really quick. Uh, Jacob is coming, but let's ask the Lord, God, am I leaning on my own wisdom or am I leaning on your wisdom? Because we want his wisdom in our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the scripture that you've given us that tells us how to be blessed.